Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. listening to the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast about watching soccer on TV and online. Welcome to episode 159, coming up on this week's show, which leagues have commentators on site and in the studio, sports broadcaster drops a hint about MLS TV rights deal, MUTV finds its way back to US TV, our favorite games of the week, plus we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined alongside uh, Kartik Krishnayer. Uh, we do, we're doing this podcast on Friday this week instead of Thursday. Uh, reason being, I just got back from Atlanta from the uh, Sports Pro OTT conference, which is the very first uh, over-the-top uh, kind of streaming conference uh, for sports in the United States. And Kartik... Um, This was held at Turner Studios, so in in Atlanta. And that's one of the things that I think you and I have both appreciated is when we actually go to different places. So we've been to ESPN Studios. uh, We've been to Be In Sports. We've been to Univision. We've been to Telemundo. um, There's probably a couple of other other ones I'm forgetting about too. But being on site and being in person, oftentimes we often... learn things we, there's different perspectives we uh, can uh, hear different things going on in terms of uh, actually being there and speaking to them directly and that's one of the things one of my takeaways from this visit uh, to Turner Studios and, and talking to I mean, everyone from uh, Fanatis to MLS to Turner Sports to BR Live etc is I finally got what Turner Sports is trying to do with the Champions League coverage so we're halfway in, well, 18 months into um, the current contract. We know that there's about 18 months to go, a little bit less than 18 months to go. And then it's going on to CBS Sports. But my biggest takeaway, well, actually, there's two takeaways. But my, my biggest takeaway was that Turner Sports' coverage of the UEFA Champions League is all about personalities. And and this is something going in. I, I didn't realize that this was kind of their take. This is kind of how they differentiate from other broadcasters. But now that I know that, it makes a little bit more sense in terms of, I mean, yes, they've had the Steve Nashes and Edgar Davids and, and other, Carlos Bocanegra, and, and a long, Aguchi Onoeu, a long list of people who have gone through the doors. But now they have, I mean, Stu Holden, Tim Howard, Moedu, and, and all three of those have distinct personalities. And, and I think that's what they're attempting to do. And now knowing that actually it gives me a, probably a little bit better appreciation of why they do the things that they're doing. They're trying to have those personalities shine um, on the TV broadcast. Kartik, did, did, did you know that before uh, before now? 
did I know that? No, I didn't know that in so many words, but I, I, I thought that that was definitely part of it, at least with Stuart Holden, who I think has a, a, a potpourri uh, of versatility that not many former players have in terms of, of being able to present, being able to analyze, being able to do a lot of things that are very different uh, than maybe your, your, your typical co-commentator and has a, a certain personality, uh, engaging personality to him that uh, others don't have. Now, um, in terms of uh, 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 of where that leads your studio, and I, I think maybe I don't want to uh, talk too much about it here. I'll just tease it. I'll have it in my column uh, Monday, uh, the on, on Soccer TV column, Chris, that there's, I think, a kind of uneven silliness that comes out in their studio programming uh, at times. And, and I thought we saw that on Tuesday with Kate Abdo hosting. We didn't see it as much on Wednesday with, uh, with Stu Holden uh, hosting, but that's something we can talk about. Obviously I'll talk about it in my column this week and maybe talk about it later in the show. Yeah. 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 And, and actually I missed most of the uh, coverage because I was there at the conference. I, I interviewed Tim Howard, Stu Holden and Mo Adu, um, and they talk about a little bit about kind of the uh, having fun on the set and, and kind of the, the banter that they have and, and the reason why sometimes it appears to be less than serious. Um, it, it's intentional. And so we'll get into that interview. And I'm not sure if it's going to be a written interview or an audio interview. I haven't figured out uh, what I'm going to do with, with, the, uh, with, with the audio, but it'll, it'll be coming to worldsoccertalk.com for sure. My second biggest takeaway, Kartik, from this past week is that BR uh, Bleacher Report and BR, really, really more so Bleacher Report, um, which kind of rolls into BR Football, which rolls into to the TNT broadcast. Um, their focus is on the athlete. So when they when they prioritize uh, what who they're going to talk about or what they're going to talk about, their number one leading push is for focusing on the athlete. So, which is a little bit different. And, and again, this is something I, I didn't realize. And now that I know this, it gives me, again, a better appreciation for when I look at the BR, I mean, whether it's the BR, Bleacher Report, um, uh, Twitter feed and seeing kind of all the posts that they do. So much of it is focused on the athlete. So rather than talking about, say, uh, I don't know, Borussia Dortmund and, and, and the entire team and Gio Reyna and, and all these great players that are playing on, on the squad, you mean scoring some, you mean doing it as, as a team, playing really, really well at the moment, except for I mean, defense, that's another story. But their focus is really on you know, Erling uh, Haaland, and it's really kind of on the athletes. So they, they believe that the, most, the number one reason that most uh, soccer fans watch soccer is because of the athletes. And it's not because of the club. And it's not because of the league. It's athlete-driven. Uh, and and that, that I disagree with. I, I mean, maybe it's a, uh, a, an age thing where I'm a little bit older. And, but to me, it's all about the club. The club is the most important thing. And, 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 yeah. and, and again, that, again, that was an interesting takeaway. And it gave me a better appreciation of me. I, I looked at uh, uh, BR, uh, Bleacher Report's uh, Twitter feed and social media. I looked at it. And almost every single post was all about individual athletes, individual people. It wasn't about a team. Then explain to me why Barcelona and Real Madrid don't get better TV ratings than Liverpool and Manchester United in this country. 
Well, if that's the premise, well, right? distribution. Or not Real Madrid now would be Juventus. Sorry, so it's Barcelona. I'm thinking Ronaldo's on Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona and Juventus. So I, I I disagree with that premise completely. I think it might be true in other sports. I think it's definitely true in the NBA. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure about the NFL. It's been so long. I'm so disconnected from the NFL scene that there are superstars who the athletes, star athletes are. Uh, I I do think it's it's the case in tennis. We only watch tennis when Federer is playing Djokovic or Nadal or Murray. Uh, one of those. Four Four, right, the big four in this era. Uh, we only watch golf when Tiger Woods is winning or Phil Mickelson in the past is winning. Uh, but I, I do not think that applies to this sport at all, at least to U.S. audiences. Uh, maybe yeah. around the world it does. Maybe. Well, actually, I don't think it does, actually, uh, when I think about this, because I, I, you don't you don't. Who's the biggest star in Liverpool now? Is it uh, I don't Salah. even know who it is. Most is Salah. it Salah? Yeah. OK, if it's Salah or Mane uh, or maybe for for some um, for from Eng- some English fans it's it's jordan henderson but well, probably not but um it's it, yeah it, it's, it, it's most yeah, Salah. yet there yet there are more people watching them all over, in most places than watching real madrid or barcelona or sorry juventus or barcelona yeah i i mean the the la liga clubs is a little bit different just because of the distribution problem in the united states um but i i mean it's uh i would i would argue that real madrid el clasico in itself which is coming up in what a couple of weeks el clasico has become less important as each year has gone by. We can look at the TV ratings and see what those numbers look like year after year, and those numbers keep on dropping year after year. Yeah. And, and a large part of that, I think, is because of Ronaldo not being there. So so I, th- I think that's... And I'll ex- probably be watching Juventus at the same time, actually. Yeah, Juventus will play Inter advanced, at the same, at the same exact time. And, and, yeah, to, and to I, me, that's, that's, that would be more of a... That's a, a game I'd, I'd be more interested in watching than El Clasico. El Clasico will be... Yeah, it's a great match and definitely a lot of history and all that, but it's, uh, it's not what it used to be. But, um, I, but I think Ronaldo and Messi are the exceptions to the rule. I think for the most part, um, the focus is on clubs and, and it's kind of the history and tradition and what that club stands for and how they play. Um, but I, I agree with you, Kartik. It is one of those things that uh, it's very much a... Um, kind of a feeling or kind of a, a conception of of the other sports the you mean the basketball uh, NFL where it is more kind of individual athletes being the stars rather than the teams themselves in some in some ways the the stars are bigger than the actual teams um I don't think that applies to soccer but Bleacher Report has kind of got this carte blanche you mean that that this is kind of the way that they tackle or that that, that they you mean basically talk about sports it's very focused on the athlete so again that gives me some appreciation or a better better understanding not appreciation but a better understanding of what why they broadcast the, the way that they do they have a different style skews younger um and that's why i think in some ways that that what that's why it hasn't really uh taken off as well as some other broadcasters and and that's why i think Going there, meeting with them, talking to them, uh, hearing, listening to them gave me such a better appreciation for um, why they do the things that they do. And again, we'll get into into that in, in the interview with Tim Howard and Stu Holden, where I talk about um, kind of the, the TNT approach of weaving in so much basketball into the soccer coverage and, and if that makes sense or not. All right, Kartik, let's uh, fast forward and look back at the past week. What's been your favorite match from this past week? I think it would have to be Lazio Winter. 
that was just a phenomenal match. Great goal uh, on kind of a half volley by Ashley Young puts Inter ahead. And this is a battle for those of you not following Serie A this season. Uh, these two teams are are really uh, nipping at the heels of Juventus, who uh, have not uh, quite played at the same level that they have in the past, although uh, Ronaldo has now scored in 12 successive matches. So much like he did in Real Madrid's three successive Champions League victories, when they need a goal, and Juventus is winning a lot of goals by one, uh, a lot of games by one uh, one goal or getting a late goal to make it a two-goal game, right? They're, they're just in a lot of, a lot more competitive matches than they've been the last few years. He's getting goals to, 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 to pull them out. Um, so, the Serie A race has been phenomenal this year. This match was on ESPN+. Plus. Actually, ESPN2, which showed Juventus and Brescia earlier in the day. Again, another match which Juventus struggled in. And Brescia was down to 10 men for a large portion of that match. Uh, but uh, Juve struggled and finally got a, a goal from Ronaldo and and, um, and, and won 2-0. But uh, Lazio comes back in the second half. Spectacular match. Again, uh, on ESPN+. Plus. That 2.45 p.m., Eastern time, 8.45 p.m. Uh, Central European time kickoff uh, is giving us great game after great game in Serie A. Unfortunately, none of those matches are ever on ESPN or ESPN2. They're on uh, ESPN+. Plus. You could still, obviously, we talked about ESPN+, Plus's numbers last week. Uh, wider distribution than ever for those. But it's just unfortunate that um, Serie A continues to uh, and, and I don't blame them. The U.S. TV market has to prove itself for Serie A before they start doing the sort of thing that the Premier League has done for ESPN. For those of you who are new to the Premier League in the NBC era, that uh, 5.30 kickoff UK time, 12.30 kickoff Eastern time used to be a throwaway match uh, prior to NBC getting the rights. The Premier League has been very... Um, cognizant of these matches being free to air in the United States, that time slot. And uh, that has become now an, an important window, almost as important as the early kickoff on Saturday, which, which for many, many years, Chris, as you remember, was the most important uh, of the weekend other than the late kickoff Sunday, because that was uh, timed for the audiences in Asia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for me from this past week, in terms of my favorite match of the week, um, uh, it, it, it is what it is. I, I was going to say, I was looking for something like kind of uh, unpredictable, but it was uh, Dortmund against PSG. This was uh, two teams, I mean, really attacking, open-minded uh, football. Uh, at times, it looked like Dortmund would would score a couple of goals and, and then PSG would come back uh, strong on the counter. It looked like they were going to score. It was a very open-ended, exciting game to watch. Uh, Tony Jones and uh, Efe Nkoku doing the, uh, the commentary in this one. And of course, uh, Erling Haaland, just mania uh, erupts yeah. with with two goals. Um, the first goal, really a, a poacher's goal. Somebody that's what what I love about him is just his passion, his his burning desire to score. Um, I mean, if if he comes close and misses, he's like pounding the grass. He's just like so. I mean, one hundred percent focused on scoring goals. It, it's it's a joy to watch. And his, you don't know. Oh, sorry, it, it, go ahead. I was just going to say his second goal was, was uh, superb. Just a, a beautiful strike uh, with that pass from Gio Reyna. It, I mean, to me, they're just one of the most exciting teams to watch. It's just a shame that they can't, uh, you mean, basically stiffen up that uh, defense. Yeah, so I, I think nobody had this match being nil-nil at halftime, which it was going into the match. We were all thinking it would be 4-4, 5-5, uh, and it was a defensive error that uh, – 
Dortmund gave up their goal on, which is, uh, as I tweeted during the match, since I watched just about every Dortmund match, it's just uh, so typical of, of the way they defend. Uh, my point was going to be that Haaland has become such a phenom that there is conversation uh, in among you know, those of us in kind of the soccer media landscape that this might be the boost. We, we tried to figure out what does the Bundesliga need um, to boost itself to American audiences and to global audiences outside of Germany. It might be this specific player. Now, we don't know how long he's going to be at Dortmund, uh, but we have to assume it's at least for next season. He won't be sold until the summer of 2021 at the earliest. And uh, there is just such... Um, mania about Haaland. I mean, I I, I know um, uh, some people are getting annoyed maybe that the ESPN FC uh, show is focusing on this player more now than they're focusing on Messi and Ronaldo, but mm-hmm. that's where he is, he, right? That's he deserves where, it. Yeah, he yeah, absolutely he deserves it. it. He's absolutely earned it. And he right. plays with such a... Um, it's been a long time since we've had a young player that's played with the kind of joy he seems to be showing. Yep. And of course, he's the son of a former great professional player, Leeds United, Manchester City, etc. So he's been brought up in the game, but uh, well, he's just phenomenal. And um, I thought when he signed, right, because it came down to Dortmund and Manchester United, and he signed with Dortmund rather than United. And I thought, boy, Dortmund have so many goal scorers, right? Uh, uh, Royce when he's fit, Paco Alcazar, who they've mm-hmm. now shipped off. Uh, Sancho scores goals. You know, we've even seen uh, when Goetze comes on, he can score. And, and uh, as it turns out, you know, any team can use this guy. It doesn't matter if you have a, a bona fide um, high-end number nine. He's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I, I don't think it's going to have much of an impact on the Bundesliga ratings in the United States. Uh, I, I think I think at this point, if you had a Messi or a Ronaldo, I think that's the only thing that, that could force people to change the viewing habits to to make such a difference in large numbers for the Bundesliga. Um, I think I think most hardcore soccer fans know that the Bundesliga is one of the most entertaining leagues um, and has a lot of creativity and has a lot of uh, young players and rising stars and veteran players too. They're just some of the best in the world. The issue, I think the biggest issue, uh, it's always been and it probably always will be, is that it clashes with the Premier League. So you've got the Premier League, which is a juggernaut, which is not as good as the Bundesliga. But you have fans that are through years or decades of, um, you mean, found affinity and have a loyalty with, with a certain club and admiration for the league itself. And it's hard to change viewing habits. And even uh, Erling Haaland, which to me is one of the most exciting players in probably the last decade, somebody that has just erupted, uh, just incredibly fun to watch. Uh, could go on to be to be one of the greats. Uh, still a long ways ways off, but is showing all the all the signs of, of a, a massive star. I, I don't think that's going to make much of a difference. Um, just because I mean, again, it's, it goes back to the club club versus athletes. Athletes are huge, but in many ways, clubs are much have a much stronger connection to the viewer, especially on on the soccer side. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. Yeah, and uh, we've got some news now about the NWSL-CBS deal. Uh, Obviously, Grant Wall uh, did some reporting earlier in the week. We're going to have three matches 
on CBS on air. Uh, we have uh, another additional uh, 10 matches that will be on CBS Sports Network. I also um, can report from multiple sources that uh, and this may have been reported somewhere else. I haven't seen it yet, but I can also report as part of this that uh, there is going that there is uh, uh, work with NWSL Productions in terms of hiring people to provide uh, streams, uh, provide commentary for streams for for uh, CBS all access so and that would be based in fort lauderdale uh, and cbs uh, of course has a studio as we talked about in fort lauderdale previously with jeremy st louis and thomas rongan doing uh, their new segment every week uh, so there, there's a little bit of a comfort relationship there uh, but this is a big step forward for nwsl a big step forward for women's soccer in this country yeah, absolutely. And as each week goes by, there's a little bit more information uh, published, and uh, hopefully we'll have some official news soon, too. Now, speaking of the uh, OTT conference I went to this week in Atlanta, also some some additional um, kind of takeaways I found is one is that uh, in an interview with uh, Turner Sports or an actual presentation with Turner Sports, um, one of their uh, top executives mentioned that um, – uh, she she name checked Major League Soccer as an upcoming rights deal that may interest them, and despite losing the next uh, UEFA Champions League uh, contract, the executive said that um, soccer is still a priority for them, citing uh, BR Football, um, the social media account, uh, and BR Live as, as two examples of uh, how they're still very focused on on the soccer market, but. Um, MLS is, is something that they're talking about and mentioned as an interest. So keep an eye out for that one with, for the next uh, TV deal. Uh, you could also sense a lot of frustration among uh, Turner Sports executives when they discussed losing the UEFA Champions League rights um, only 18 months into their current contract. And we're about halfway through. And uh, actually, at the end of next season, they'll hand it over to uh, CBS uh, according to Turner Sports, it's hard for them to really put together a long-term plan when roughly a year into uh, after they've acquired it, they're already working on trying to put together uh, a bid for the next TV deal. And they did say they put in a major bid for the, the rights to renew the UEFA Champions League, um, but they said that uh, CBS came in with a huge bid that beat them. So I think they were very surprised at uh, how much CBS was offering to acquire the rights to the Champions League and uh, definitely made it uh, clear that uh, the number that uh, CBS put in was uh, significantly higher than even Turner's uh, high bid. Now, the long-term vision for BR Live, the streaming platform, is to shut it down permanently and incorporate uh, all of the live streaming of sports that they own currently into the Bleacher Report app. Uh, so the Bleacher Report app would be the, the main focus, would be the one app. And then within that app, then you'd be able to um, read your free content and get your alerts as you normally do. But you'd be able to uh, go ahead and pay to, to stream games from different sports. And eventually what they're planning on doing too is uh, including betting in that app. So you can bet on games. So you can do everything within the one app. Now, the big question is, is with uh, BR Live is that uh, with next season being the final season of the Champions League and the Europa League uh, with BR and, and BR Live is whether to actually uh, go ahead and include that in the BR Live, um, in the Bleacher Report app for that final season or whether it makes sense to kind of basically keep it within BR Live uh, for one more year 
And then once that Champions League uh, and, and Europa League deal is done, is then to shut it down. So, so it still hasn't been decided, but uh, that's uh, kind of what they're thinking now, trying to figure out a way to whether it makes sense to include it in the, in the Bleacher Report app or not. Lastly, Kartik, actually two more things real fast. Uh, a big discussion at the conference was talking about piracy, about illegal streaming. It was interesting, too, because they looked at uh, many, actually a couple of uh, executives said that the Premier League is doing the best job at um, going ahead and, and stamping out uh, piracy, that uh, they've been wor- working most effectively uh, and also using a lot of the courts and, and, uh, and um, the criminal system in the UK to imprison people uh, for streaming. So that that was interesting. I, I didn't realize that, that the Premier League was uh, the leader in that. Still a big problem, though. And last but not least, uh, in terms of Ble- uh, Bleach Report Live, they're looking at and consider- considering dynamic pricing. So dynamic pricing would be, and an example given in other industries is that uh, if you go to a vending machine and you want to get uh, a, a can of Coke or a bottle of Coke on a, on a hot summer day where the temperature is 100 degrees, uh, the pricing, they, uh, they, they can actually increase the pricing if they wanted to from, say, I don't know, 50 cents to $1.50 or something like that. Or if it's a cold day uh, and not many people are interested in buying a, a bottle of Coke, they can reduce it down to like, I don't know, 75 cents or 50 cents, whatever it may be. But with BR Live, that, that's one thing they're considering for next season is including dynamic pricing. So to given, depending on, say, if it's the last uh, game of the group stage and it's a must-win game in order to qualify for the next round, uh, they could increase the pricing on that, or, or or again, if it's a dead rubber game and it's th- those teams, even though it's your club, and th- those teams may not, they may have already qualified for the next round, so maybe they would lower the pricing for that specific game. Um, so lots of so that's interesting. That's something new and different that hasn't been done. Uh, they haven't made a decision yet, but that's something that they are considering. All right, Kartik, uh, next news item. Yeah, MediaPro and Pitch are going to sell the U.S. rights for uh, the 2022 Ball qualifiers in the U.S. Uh, they're looking, uh, they're putting out a rights tender now. Importantly, uh, rights to Uruguay's matches are not included in the agreement as uh, uh, the AUF uh, has yet to sell its international rights for the 2022 World Cup qualifiers. So uh, they're not going to be able to bundle Uruguayan rights with the rest of the uh South American, the Condomal region at this point. Uh, The full play agency held the international rights uh, to Uruguay's home uh, qualifiers uh, last time, 2018 World Cup cycle. And so that uh, might happen again. And that that, it's possible we could see, uh, as we did in 2018, uh, the same network by um, ha- uh, be able to combine the Uruguay rights with uh, the rest of the region uh, that was BN, uh, but we will see uh, what happens. Um, the first round of matches begin with this March international break coming up in uh, about a month. Yeah, and, and also at the same time too, um, Copa America uh, rights have not been uh, acquired yet or have not been uh, finalized yet for the United Correct. States for this summer. And, and it, well, we're in almost the end of February here. I mean, the tournament's in like just a few months from now. Same thing with the World Cup qualifiers. Like you said, Kartik, March 26th is, begins the next, the first round of matches, uh, leaving it really late in terms of trying to um, sell these rights. I'm sure they will be sold, but uh, it doesn't help in terms of soccer fans trying to plan out their, I mean, hopefully the games will be shown and trying to figure out where. Uh, again, we'll, we'll report that news as soon as we get it. 
And lastly, just some quick hits, uh, some quick pieces of news that have come out. Uh, well, actually, a lot of this hasn't come out, but uh, we'll be the first to mention it, is that uh, subscribers to BR Live uh, now have access to MUTV, Manchester United's uh, TV channel, which is one of the best in the world in terms of a club TV channel that has uh, a lot of interviews, behind-the-scenes footage, uh, archival footage. Uh, they don't have live games, but oftentimes they will have those on delay after about 48 hours with their own MUTV uh, commentators. Uh, sometimes I think they have uh, some of the youth games. and So lots and lots of coverage. If you're a Man United fan, um, that's another reason to get BR Live is now to subscribe to that. And with, of course, um, Man United right now in the Europa League, uh, BR Live is on the English language side your best way to, to access those games. Secondly is that uh, Being Sports Extra is now available on Pluto TV. And Pluto TV, if you haven't checked it out yet, it's uh, it's free. It's on the web. They've got apps everywhere. Uh, the company is owned, actually, by CBS, which is interesting. But uh, that's another way to go ahead and access Being Sports Extra, which gives you a, a ton of different uh, co- uh, content and coverage from Being Sports, uh, including some live games but no Barcelona, no Real Madrid, no Atleti. And last but not least, uh, speaking of Real Madrid, is that Real Madrid TV is back on US Airwaves, and it's available exclusively through Fanatis. So Fanatis, for $7.99 a month, uh, you can get all the BN Sports channels, all the BN Sports Connect channels, you can get Goal TV, uh, Sevilla TV, and now Real Madrid TV, as well as uh, soccer from South America, including Argentina, and I think Peru and some other countries too. So at seven ninety nine a month, that's a great uh, value for your money. Kartik, uh, TV ratings, um, not uh, we don't have all the numbers in yet. We will have those at willsoccertalk.com soon. I guess the biggest number was Norwich against Liverpool on NBC and Universo. Uh, almost a million viewers on that one on Saturday. Um, anything else jump out at you there? No, I mean, we, we just don't have all the numbers. It's pretty routine Premier League numbers, quite honestly. And, and uh, that's that's basically about it. I mean, the uh, the Norwich-Liverpool match uh, almost hit a million, which kind of expected with Liverpool in that time slot. Uh, I thought uh, uh, that the uh, number for um, the uh, uh, the Arsenal Newcastle game, 527 on a Sunday, uh, that that's uh, – decent in that time slot because uh quite honestly i mean uh, you know you've got arsenal not uh, had they hadn't won a game in, in forever uh, until that that victory and newcastle uh is uh I, there's been some passing interest in them because of deandre yedlin and miguel almoron in this country but that's uh that seems to have faded as the season's worn on and yedlin's been in and out of the lineup with injuries what well, one of the number Kartik, to point out is burnley against southampton um, both of those clubs I have a lot of uh, respect and admiration for, but there's not a lot of Burnley supporters in the United States, and there aren't a lot of uh, Saints supporters in the United States either. But this match on on a Saturday morning at 7.30 Eastern Time, kickoff, um, 201,000 viewers on NBCSN, decent number for uh, two teams that don't have a big fan base in the United States. And, and I think a lot of that too is that, again, the rituals, the... Uh, I mean, most soccer fans that are into English soccer are waking up on Saturday mornings early to watch uh, that early kickoff, uh, no matter who it is. Um, Of course, there's some Burnley fans, some Southampton fans, but still a strong number there. 
Moving on to listener mailbag. So, listeners, if you did get the chance to listen to the uh, the podcast in, during the past week, you must have had a pleasant surprise on uh, Monday morning getting a, a an episode of the brand new uh, podcast series that we just launched called The Heart of the Game. And this is hosted by Nate Abarea. Uh, Nate was uh, one of the uh, analysts on the podcast here, on the World Soccer Talk podcast. I think it was about 2014. I think he was on there for a season or two with uh, Nick Webster and uh, also was the host of the World Soccer Talk radio show, uh, which was 2015. Time flies by. It doesn't seem that long ago, but it was. And the first episode we had was an interview with Christian Miles, uh, formerly of Fox Soccer Channel. And it was pretty interesting insights in terms of his career, but also how the sports industry, specifically soccer broadcasting, has changed and uh, whether it means more jobs available, less jobs available, and also the cost involved in sending out a truck to go ahead and uh, you mean, uh, have have the game uh, televised live from a stadium with the whole crew. Uh, some interesting insights there. So some of the feedback on the list of mailbag on that first episode, uh, Eddie says, very refreshing podcast. Lou Bruno says, uh, it was great hearing from Christian Miles and talking about the old FSC. I found it surprising that the, the explosion of interest in the game did not mean better days for announcers like him. With all the MLS teams, you would think that would uh, benefit broadcasters. FSC and EPL Talk were at center stage for soccer fans back in those days. Both have a great part in the U.S. being a soccer nation. Jay Strummer says, great stuff. Thank you. And lastly, Aza says, uh, or Aza says, uh, I remembered, I remember watching the EPL highlights show on the regional Fox Sports Network back in the late 1990s. Towards the end of the program, the host, uh, Lionel uh, Bienvenu, would turn over to Christian Miles to show highlights from Fox Sports World. It was called the Fox Sports World Report. Great memories for sure. Kartik, uh, you remember Christian Miles, right? Yeah, uh, of course I remember Christian Miles, and I also do remember Lionel Bienvenu. Yeah. And that program was uh, – um, I mean, I, I still kind of now have the music from that program going through my head. Um, <laughs> and somewhere I have a VHS tape somewhere of um, of them showing extended clips of uh, a Boxing Day match between Spurs and Liverpool – Obviously, would have been the ninety-eight, ninety-nine season because that was this, that was the big season for that show, and uh, it was the full debut for start of one Steven Gerrard. Wow. So I saved that VHS tape. I have no idea where it is now uh, because I would tape. I would actually. Uh, we had a, a, a network that's now Sun Sports or Fox Sun uh, that was uh, well, wouldn't be Fox anymore. Sunshine, obviously, network. been sold to Disney, right? But right. Uh, it was used to be Sunshine Network, and they would show that program every every Sunday night, but at random time. So in, I don't know if younger people are familiar with this. Like we had D, we have DVARs now. If you had a good enough v, uh, VHS device, you could set a timer if you put a tape in there. Mm-hmm. Most VHS devices didn't have that, but you need to buy a more expensive one. So I had one of those uh, machines. So I used to tape that show every week, the Bienvenue show, because it would come on, like I said, at random time. Some weeks it would be at like 5 o'clock. On a uh, Eastern time on a Sunday, which is great. You could watch it. Sometimes it would be like at 2.30 a.m. It, it really depended on um, whether the other the, the lo- regional local teams that, that uh, Sunshine had uh, the rights to, the Orlando Magic, Miami Heat, whoever else, uh, whether they were Florida Panthers, whether they were playing or not, right? So 
Uh, yeah, I have such memories of that <laughs> show. And then obviously Christian Miles is one of my favorites from the FSC era. Incredibly knowledgeable about the sport. Actually hosted some Champions League also uh, on uh, the Fox regional networks once they acquire Champions League rights. Uh, and still someone who um, is a great Twitter follow because he is so knowledgeable about this sport and has uh, more historical perspective than um many of the people you'll find in the U.S. media. So yep. uh, great, great coup for Nate to get that as his first interview. I think that's a great way to lead off this new series. Yeah. And the next interview coming up this Monday is with the one and only Derek Ray. Uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but uh, Nate says it's uh, absolutely fantastic and really, really memorable. So that that's the goal of the, the podcast series is to complement this one, is is to really talk about the heart of the game. And, and, and in my in my estimation, in my opinion, the heart of the game oftentimes is the commentators, the broadcasters, the people that we listen to week after week, no matter what league it is around the world. And we develop almost like, a, like we seem to develop like kind of a relationship or an understanding for those types of uh, individuals. And many of them have been around for decades. Players come and go, but a lot of the commentators we listen to have been commentating since the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, and so on. And Christian Miles is still commentating. He's commentating for uh, LA Galaxy. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, still yeah. still involved in NBA sports and still involved in the industry. And uh, so that was great. So if, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, listen back. It's on this stream. And um, we'll have the next one with Derek Ray. And every Monday, we plan on releasing uh, new episodes with interviews with uh, key people within the industry from the broadcast industry so we've got a long list of people uh, we're reaching out to and I'm, I'm really looking forward to listening to this one too as, as as a soccer fan next up is um on the listener mailbag jp says i'm not surprised that the uh, ratings for la liga are decent despite being slow distribution anecdotally i think most people who subscribe to a particular service that includes bn sports do so in large part because of bn so they're already very very dedicated to watching La Liga. When I was comp- contemplating cutting the cord a few years ago, I settled on PlayStation View, but then they dropped being sports before my cable contract was up. When debating switching cable carriers to take advantage of further discounts, I chose not to since Comcast did not have being sports in HD and couldn't authenticate to watch online either. At the time, was more important for Serie A overflow matches. Similarly, uh, if someone has Sling and pays extra for the sports pack, pack, it's likely for being sports. Next up is uh, this is uh, feedback from Yes Page uh, about uh, Kartik about your on the soccer media column to discuss the power of Disney Plus in generating more ESPN Plus subscribers. And if you didn't get a chance, check that out at worldsoccertalk.com. Again, every Monday, and we've got all the uh, the previous columns too, which are interesting to read for sure. And Yes Page says, The splintering of sports access is great for the Disney, CBS, etc., as they gouge subscribers to pay twice for what we used to pay for once for. But for the consumer, we are going to lose badly here because the a la carte design is going to make us pay several providers for the same content we used to get at one location. Now, Kartik, in some ways I disagree with this, though, too, because if you look at ESPN Plus as one example and look at the the list of leagues that they have, uh, which is a long list of leagues, they are broadcasting leagues that were previously unavailable. Now, some of those leagues are the Indian League or the Swedish League, 
Um, but um, they have, a, I mean, they have you know, practically, I mean, the US Open Cup, they've got USL, they've got Major League Soccer, they've got uh, the Bundesliga next season, they've got uh, all these leagues. And at a price point of $5, even if you're paying whatever it is right now for ESPN on cable or satellite, and for $5 more, I, I have no complaints with that. I mean, especially when you have the amount of soccer coverage available to you, which was more than what you had from before. But I guess, yes, page two, when he looks at kind of the overall picture and looks at, say, Fox and ESPN and all these other ones, you have to subscribe sometimes to maybe three services to get what you were getting before. But you actually weren't even getting that before. You were getting close to it. It, it, To me, it all depends on what you're looking for and what you want to watch and whether that has changed um, what you have to subscribe to. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, the irony of this for me, the great irony of this is a la carte. Uh, it was Disney that because of the, the rights fees, the, 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 the carriage fees that ESPN was getting, specifically ESPN and ESPN2, uh, fought any sort of a la carte cable scheme for years, right? Disney had been uh, had been really the main impediment toward uh, – any action happening in Congress or at the federal level to this. Now that you have a streaming space, which is kind of the Wild West and everything's a la carte, they're the ones who are undercutting the price point of everybody else and uh, getting more consumers, partly because they're uh, battled to fight a la carte uh, on the cable and satellite side has them with a lot more cable and satellite revenue than the other providers, than the NBCs and the CBSs and the lifetime, uh, the A and E's and uh, the Discovery Networks, etc. It's it's very uh, it's very ironic as I think about the industry as a whole um, that they've made the price point for their for their services, their streaming services, Disney lower to undercut everybody because for years they had resisted any sort of breakup, any sort of uh, um, decoupling of, 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 of packages in the cable industry because they were getting higher fees from the cable companies than any other. Uh, uh, company because of the power again uh, Disney the power of Disney and the power of uh, ESPN which is uh, owned by Disney mm-hmm. yeah well, one more example about this too Kartik is that uh, the Bundesliga currently if you want to watch every single match from the Bundesliga the only way to do it the only way is through Fox Soccer Match Pass which is $20 a month next season the only way to watch every single well, maybe not, though. I was going to say every single uh, Bundesliga game is through ESPN Plus, which is $5 a month. However, the game of the week that the... Well, actually, it's not even game of the week. There's four games a season that the Bundesliga are, go- are going to have on television. The question is is whether those uh, games will also, also be available on ESPN Plus, uh, which I would think not, probably. So, yeah, it's at the end of the day, it comes down to what leagues you're interested in watching if you want to watch everything you can do it it's just going to, it's going to cost you a lot of money uh in the past if you wanted to watch everything you couldn't watch everything because it wasn't all available but ha, yeah it's uh for some people it's going to be more expensive for sure uh as a, um, and, and of course you get you, you'll get some bundesliga two matches with that also just as you right. do on fox soccer match pass now exactly yeah and actually this weekend is uh hamburg against uh Simpoli, i think on saturday morning at seven o'clock yeah the big derby on fox soccer match pass uh azer azer uh, says uh, chris and kartik if the milan derby was not shown on tv why did Mark Donaldson and Matteo Bonetti do the commentary? Why not use the world feed with Steve Banyard and Tony DiRigo? 
And and to answer that, um, as a uh, this was a massive match. This was a match that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mark and Matteo said like, "Hey, uh, ESPN Plus, ESPN uh, producers, this is such a big game that we want to commentate this one. We want to have this uh, with our own in-house commentary uh, for a, such a big match, which it was a, a classic match. Uh, the commentary we talked about last week was, I thought, was spectacular in terms of the the intensity, the emotion." Uh, really, really great commentary. And uh, Steve Banyard, I like, but to me, uh, having Mark and Matteo uh, do the commentary was, was better, in my opinion. Um, so, so sometimes it does happen. I think for that game, Kartik, that you mentioned before, too, on, on March 1st, at the same time as El Clasico, which is going to be Inter against uh, Juve, uh, which is going to be um, probably match this season, could be match this season out of any of the, these leagues, that will be a commentary on ESPN Plus by Mark Donaldson and Matteo Bonetti. So another example of um, the bringing out the in-house talent, which makes sense, too, especially if Mark and Matteo will be doing uh, Bundesliga commentary for some games next season. Uh, as it continues, he says, uh, you guys also commented on uh, about the Bundesliga being on FS2 rather than FS1. The answer is obvious. It's money. NASCAR and college basketball generate more revenue on FS1 than any soccer would. Uh, the next rights holder, ESPN, is going to follow in Fox's footsteps. College football and the rest will dominate uh, Disney's airwaves over the Bundesliga. Both Fox and ESPN, ESPN are giving you one word answer, money. Why is this so hard to understand? So um, let me respond to that. Yes, on NASCAR. Absolutely agreed. On college basketball, we're talking about the Bundesliga, so it makes sense. But the actual ratings for college basketball, because that's the one other sport I actually, I actually follow besides soccer, um, on FS1 are, no, are really not very different than their ratings for MLS. In, in fact, in some cases, they're lower than their MLS ratings. So I wouldn't say soccer uh, versus college basketball. They're always going to favor the college basketball. Uh, it's the Bundesliga specifically. But if they re-up with Major League Soccer and Major League Soccer continues to see you know, slight upticks in TV ratings, we've talked about this over and over again, but uh, even slight upticks, it would probably take it past um, a lot of college basketball. Now, the Big Ten which uh, Fox has the rights to is having a particularly good season this year in college basketball. So I think the ratings are up slightly, but uh, the last few years, the big 10 has been the worst of the power of six conferences. So that has also affected Fox's ratings in college basketball, college football. Yeah. No argument there. NASCAR and college football, no argument. I would uh, quarrel with the college basketball one uh, as FS one's ratings, you know, in general, Chris, I don't know if, if a lot, cause we, we talk about ratings on FS one for uh Bundesliga and, and MLS and U.S. national team games. In general, FS1's ratings are really not very good when you consider how many homes mm-hmm. that network is in. Um, compare a, a similar number to NBCSN, not that much less than ESPN or ESPN2. It's just, it's just not a destination channel. And we even see that with the Champions League, with the Champions League going to TNT, um, even though now it's more available than ever in Spanish and you have that alternative the ratings have gone up. The numbers have gone up uh, almost immeasurably, right? We talk about this a lot. On TNT. From FS1 to TNT, mm-hmm. right? It, the point is FS1 
doesn't get good ratings for any sport other than uh, even for college football and NASCAR, they won't get the ratings if it were on another network. So college football games that are on FS1, like their Big 12 match games, don't get the sort of ratings that the ESPN and ESPN2 and even ESPNU games get at the same time or SEC network. I mean, it's just they're uh, – it, that that network is is struggling relative to the other networks in the space. So, um, yeah, I mean, I understand why why uh, we've seen the Bundesliga bump for NASCAR for college basketball. It's uh, uh maybe it's again because the Bundesliga just doesn't have a following. But if it's MLS, I'm not sure they would bump an MLS game for a college basketball game. Now they don't run into that conflict. I mean, ironically. Uh, MLS season runs essentially between the beginning, uh, the end and the beginning of college basketball's regular seasons. Um, but uh, if they ever had that choice, I think they might bump college basketball. So it's not a universal soccer thing. Dave Brunk says, catching up on the championship in England, what a match last Friday between Hull City and Swansea City. I know, Chris, you wanted the three points, but what a great match. Uh, 4-4. I think Ryan Brewster has a future. Uh, the former, well, actually, a Liverpool player that's on loan to yeah. Swansea. I enjoyed the, po- the latest podcast a great deal. Seems streaming is getting difficult to navigate. Great to know I can rely upon you two to keep me informed. Kartik, don't mention it, please. <laughs> I, I don't know if you watched that whole City Swansea game. And, and as a Swansea City supporter, since I did, I watched oh, part, part of it. It was so painful to watch. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, for listeners who didn't didn't know, and and most of listeners probably didn't watch it. Um, I mean, both Swansea and Hull have been going through some difficult time in terms of results. And Hull kept on leading this game. It was, I mean, 2-1, and Swansea would pull it back to, I think, 2-2. Hull would go ahead to 3-2. Swansea would pull it back to to 3-3. And then Swansea, in injury time, went went ahead. I think it was was 4-3. And... I mean, Swansea fans, myself included, and the players went crazy thinking, okay, great, we finally got a great win here. And I think in the fifth minute of injury time, Hull City came back and tied it 4-4. So just a really... Uh, roller coaster, but yeah, uh, picked I, up a point on on Hull and uh, sorry on Bristol City and, and Preston. Yeah, but, six, but it's, this weekend, so could have been could have been back to within three points uh, of an automatic or of a playoff <laughs> spot. So it's funny because Swansea, I think you would acknowledge, Chris have been playing terribly since the festive period. So it's yeah. uh, not, uh, it's been about six weeks, eight weeks of this, mm-hmm. and they're still only five points out of a playoff spot, which makes the championship really really exciting. Yeah. Um, it's the same sort of kind of um, race to the middle that we've seen in the Premier League where there are teams like Arsenal that can go uh, a month or two without winning a game and yet still can make the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, same exact thing with with the championship. It it is one of those things that uh, just a couple of wins in a row, and then all of a sudden you're pushing up into to the playoff spots. Uh, it's entertaining for sure. As a fan, it is brutal. <laughs> it's 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 been a decent season, but as a if a fan, whether you're a fan of Arsenal or a fan of other clubs. To me, I, I take it personally when a team loses or a team. It felt like we lost this game because we thought we had won it. I mean, it's a draw; it's one point. But it, it, life of, as a football supporter or a soccer fan, uh, it, it's rough at times. Especially, oh, I, sh- I should mention West Brom went over a month without winning a game mm-hmm. in uh, in the championship, and they uh, they were winning games in the FA Cup at the same time, so it didn't feel like they were doing that badly. But they went, I think, six, seven, eight games maybe without a, a win in the in the championship, and now it seems like I know they've got they've they've found their form again. They're going to win the league. 
So yeah, yeah. that league is so balanced and so competitive. Um, it, it, it's, it's a funny one to watch. Even more so yeah. this year than most years. Yeah. And, and, and to me, at right this moment, it is more fun than watching the Premier League in terms of just yeah. uh, you never know what you're going to get. And it, it is really entertaining. Um, next up, and Kartik, this is a, a brand new feature to the World Soccer Talk podcast. This is my letter of the week uh, that has come in. And uh, maybe we'll do this every week. But this is from Ryan Hawkins. Ryan says, excellent work with the show. It continues to be my go-to source for the latest in U.S. soccer coverage on TV and streaming. If it makes you feel better, I do think you provide objective coverage, and I believe you are as likely to compliment the good coverage as you are to point out the bad coverage. It's clear you aren't paid by any entity you comment on. My question is, which leagues and games are actually commentated on uh, on-site uh, versus in a studio? My guess is that most, if not all, EPL games are done on site. However, I assume that Fox calls the Bundesliga off the monitors, as does BN for La Liga and Liga 1. In general, how do networks decide to send live match crews? So, so the last question, to, the last answer to that question, Ryan, would have been what Christian Miles talked about um, in terms of the cost to have, you mean to have your your crew or your your talent uh, on site to commentate a game. And he mentioned the figure too, kind of a basically a ballpark ballpark figure, but that that's one of the the, the deciding factors is whether or not to to send your commentators to a stadium, and it's not just the two of them. You got the whole crew behind the behind the scenes and camera and lighting and you know, sound guys. Uh, so oftentimes that's one of the biggest decisions uh, whether or not to send crews to a game. But Kartik, this just for a moment though, let's go through league by league and talk about which leagues are calling games on-site uh, in the stadium versus in a studio. So uh, Premier League, Premier League games, every single game is commentated uh, on-site in the stadium, right? Correct. Uh, all right, Bundesliga. All right, let's see if you, if you know the answer to this one. So I guess there's, there's, there's a two-part question to this one. One would be Fox's crew, and then uh, the second part of that would be the, the world feed. So um, Fox's crew is in the studio in L.A. Yeah. And the world feed, I believe, is either on site in Germany or in Cologne in the broadcast center. Yeah. Well, so, so this was the interesting thing when I went to see the Bundesliga a few months ago now. And uh, I, I assumed uh, that most of the commentators calling Bundesliga games for the world feeds, your Phil Bonnies and uh, Hatchard and you mean um, – there's some, some great, great commentators that they would have been at the stadium, at the games. So for the games I went to, I went to two games. I, I was going up into the media section, going up to where the broadcasters were looking for the, for the commentators. And I was informed that most of the games, if not all the games, are commentated from Cologne, from the studio for the okay, Bundesliga. Yeah, which which I I found very surprising. I, I did not uh, know that. But the Bundesliga's production level is so high, you don't notice. Yeah, this is, and and I think they're the only league that could get away with it, uh, because I mean I, I think the other league that has really good production value is the Premier League. They're they're kind of comparable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but so maybe the Premier League could get away with it if they did it. But uh, the Bundesliga, you wouldn't know because they're everything they do is almost perfect in how they they know how to produce a football match. Whereas uh, it seems like other leagues, Serie A particular <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other issue i guess we'll get to that <laughs> so two, two more la liga and uh serie a are those games called uh on-site the stadiums or uh in a studio 
I'd be shocked if they were called at the stadiums because the production level seems so bad. And the and and, and in a lot of cases in Serie A matches, there are announcers that are reacting after the fact to things. Uh, it, it, it's like they don't it, 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 they don't give any clue that they're actually at the at the ground. Now it also could be because in in uh, Italy broadcast positions and just in general the crowd is so far away from. Um, from from uh, the action compared to other top leagues in Europe. Yep, you're correct. So, um, yeah, Serie A and uh, La Liga, those games are called from the studio, whether it's, say, World Feed or, or from um, being sports using their talent in the studio in Miami. And, and last but not least, Kartik, uh, Major League Soccer, what do, what do you think? Uh, mostly called Major League... on-site or I mean, uh, in studio? They were called on-site yeah. in MLS. Yeah, which is good, um, which is really I, good. I should also point out that the championship... Uh, the EFL stuff is called from a studio in Shepherd's Bush in London. So this is why in the past you might have noticed there would be an announcer like, let's take John Champion, for example, that called a Premier League game live in London sometimes the same day as he would call a championship match mm-hmm. uh, that you would think, oh, gosh, how did he get to, to Middlesbrough? Well, actually, it's because it's in the studio in London. So he was able to do uh, two matches in a day. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, and I think it's one of those things that, uh, uh, as hardcore soccer fans, uh, most of us probably know the answers to those questions where we listen intently to the commentators. And, and it's pretty clear after a while which ones are calling the games on site versus in the studio. And sometimes it's because there's off the ball incidents that happen um, that, say, Peter Drury is talking about in this. Well, John Champion did this a lot where he'd be talking about what's happening in the crowd if something had happened or if there was something happening off off camera, um, which gave you, you know, a fantastic, uh, massive clue to say, hey, he's actually at there. He's, he's talking about the atmosphere within the stadium and, and uh, whether it's positive or negative versus commentators that sometimes things happen off the ball. Uh, off the camera and we don't know it's happening until the camera zooms in on it and then the commentator is talking about it but live in the moment. This is what makes the Bundesliga coverage so good, Chris, that I think whether they have spotters or they have extra cameras, uh, the, the announcers who are sitting in the broadcast center in Cologne know that stuff, whereas the Serie A and La Liga commentators don't. Yeah. So um, that goes back to just and just the overall Christmas I guess, of the broadcast. Everything's better with the Bundesliga. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the biggest example would be sometimes uh, even penalty incidents or an, an incident where the referee blows his whistle. But if the camera's not zoomed in on that referee to see what his signal is, sometimes, I mean, the commentator has no clue what's happening if, if it was called as a penalty or um, so... A lot of it depends on the camera work. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In the Bundesliga, I think it's that they have more cameras available and um, have better production value that where we can, the commentator and we, the viewer, can understand what's going on. And it doesn't seem as uh, obvious as with other leagues where you know, sometimes it's so blatant that we know that uh, the commentators are definitely not at the stadium. John Average Geek uh, says, uh, I'm confused on the Manchester City FFP stuff, the financial fair play. Uh, JV is owned, oh, I guess Juventus is owned by the by a family that owns Fiat, which owns Jeep. And they just redid its sponsorship deal to inject money into the club. Where is that investigation, Kartik? Yeah, it's, uh, it's ongoing in terms of what City is going to use as 
their talking points with the Court of Arbitration on sport. I, I can report, and I think it's been reported in other places as well, from my sources, which I have more sources in and around Manchester City than, than I do in most places, uh, that Juventus and Bayern are going to be specifically targeted in City's CAS claim, uh, CAS filing. And this fiat deal is going to be, and the, the, the fiat injection of extra sponsorship, quote, sponsorship revenue, uh, is going to be a big talking point for Manchester City. Now, I've heard various things about whether they were going to go after PSG. PSG is now in the news for the wrong reasons. Uh, BN is in the uh, news for the wrong reasons. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, that that happened after the FFP uh, FFP uh, hammer came down on Manchester City and Barcelona, who um, have um, reportedly taken on incredible loads of debt and have had needed to get loans to buy players like Griezmann. That City. Uh, Obviously, with Soriano and Bergeristan running Manchester City, they have intimate knowledge of how Barcelona operates and that Barcelona uh, is uh, is somehow um, masking their revenue. So I don't know if the Barcelona and PSG things are going to be a part of City's uh, uh, appeal to CAS. Uh, it's not really an appeal. It's a, it's a filing. It's a claim to try and get this, uh, this uh, sentence reduced or thrown out entirely. Uh, but I know Bayern and Juventus are... It's interesting, the press coverage of this, Chris. I mean, you've got, I think, very – there's very little nuance in it. There's either extreme people who are saying Manchester City has broken the rules. They should be relegated to League Two. They should have all their league titles and trophies stripped. Or you have other people on the other side saying, well, everybody does it. They've been picked on. Um or, or even just people like myself who've been against FFP on, on principle uh, saying, well, you know, we kind of hope UEFA gets it. Gary Neville's in that, that, that boat, obviously, on Sky. He made, made it clear that he's, he's an opponent of FFP, and he's been very consistent in this for, t- for 10 years or ever since he's been broadcasting, ever since he retired as a player, and mm-hmm. uh, would like to see Manchester City take UEFA to the cleaners. Uh, but I think that's uh, the, the sentiment of someone like Neville, the sentiment of someone like me is more based on the principle of FFP as just absolutely flawed policy than uh, excusing anything Manchester United, Man, excuse me, Manchester City did, because I think the thing that has to be reminded, people have to be reminded of, um, is that Manchester City violated FFP. A lot of clubs have violated FFP. Leicester did, Queens Park Rangers did, Derby. Derby's in trouble right now for FFP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Birmingham City, etc. A lot of English clubs. What Manchester City has done to get themselves into this amount of trouble is apparently fudge numbers and lie about things and that's a whole nother offense it's a lie that gets you mm-hmm. not necessarily the offense right exactly last but not least uh, in the list of the mailbank robert cordova robert says i wanted to ask you about christian pulisic being interviewed on abc's good morning america the other week it seems it didn't get much attention and and just as a, as a note i had no idea this interview even happened i haven't even heard about it until now um, but it's a different audience. ABC's Good Morning America is going to be completely different than, say, a very sports or soccer-centric audience. Uh, so not a lot of overlap, which is which is a good thing if that's what the intention was of um, uh, either Pulisic or I mean, whoever set this interview up, if it was uh, Chelsea or if it was uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation. But continuing with what Robert mentions, he says, besides the segment being more hilarious with the Pulisic being labeled the next superstar in England and taking over the world. But this relates to something I've always wondered. Why doesn't NBC's Today show do a segment reviewing the Premier League or an interview with real superstars of the league if they booked them? Uh, Have Carl Martino... 
come on a segment to get more awareness. I remember 10 years ago, Roger Bennett would come on Joe Scarborough's Morning Joe when Fox and ESPN had the Premier League rights. Would love to hear your thoughts on this on the next podcast. Thanks for your time. My, my take on this, Robert, is that uh, probably most people that watch Good Morning America or NBC's Today show are probably not interested in in these sports, these athletes. I mean, it's... Um, yeah, you could do it, and, and I'm sure NBC, they may have already done it in the past, too, and had some of their talent on uh, these shows, like I mean, whether it's Rebecca Lowe or somebody. Um, I don't watch these shows. I, I don't know. Uh, would it have an impact? Um, it would create a little bit more awareness, but I'm not so sure that the viewers of those shows are the types of viewers that would tune in to watch soccer. What do you think, Kartik? Okay, so let me get on uh, my high horse. Maybe I should have done okay. this a little earlier about a pet peeve of mine. I watch CNN every day. I mean, that's the network I watch generally. It's my default channel. Uh, the Bleacher Report segment on on their morning show never talks about soccer, never talks about the fact that Bleacher Report actually has the rights to the UEFA Champions League, never talks, promotes that program. They're always talking about football or basketball or baseball. So uh, I, I think maybe the audience for these morning programs uh, does not uh, does not uh, uh, care about soccer. And, and I think uh, what you had with, with Morning Joe and Joe Scarborough, who's a former congressman from here in Florida, Republican congressman from here in Florida, he's a Liverpool, big, massive Liverpool fan. So he, he forced it in to that show for a number of years. And I know people would complain constantly because, uh, again, because of my political uh, uh, involvement, I, I know most of the people I know watch MSNBC and actually watch that show and don't watch CNN. I watch CNN, but um, would complain. Why is he forcing this soccer and this, or he would call it uh, football. What would he call it? football frenzy, right? Or football, you know, uh, why is he forcing this on what is essentially a political show? That's not even a news program. That's a political show, an entirely political show. So there was backlash from, from a lot of people in the audience. Now, I think now there may not be as much because at least uh, MSNBC viewers, like Democratic Party people, seem to be more educated about soccer than they used to be. But the general, um, and particularly the Premier League, the general macro audience, I just don't think there's much interest in this sport. Now, this having been said when the women's national team is in a world cup or it uh files a, a lawsuit or a equal claim pay. right equal pay they are all over these programs so mm-hmm. i think when there's a societal angle uh they promote it i think the olympics is on the today show a lot during the olympics do, do, does the today show do a lot on uh lebron james or no i don't think they do um which is, again, I think uh, kind of unfortunate because I think there are um, uh, there are they, they are more likely when a Hollywood actor um, is advocating a cause or a specific, you know, uh, uh, charity or a specific uh, a thing in world affairs they're trying to draw attention to. Uh, more likely to put them on these morning because they are news programs, but they're also kind of variety programs. They're a little softer news than they would a a LeBron James or or, or Steph Curry or uh, any number of NBA players that, that do standout things in Mm -hmm. their communities uh, and, and, and in the world, quite honestly. So I think I don't want to say there's an anti-sports bias, uh, but they're kind. Maybe they're kind of it. They just don't. It's just not their audience. Going back to what you said about uh, Bleacher Report having a segment on CNN, uh, which which I saw when I was traveling this weekend. Uh, actually, this week, which is probably the first time I've seen it, where I was watching. I think CNN headline headline news, and they had a segment, the Bleacher Report, which was kind of basically an update on sports. 
uh, no soccer news there. But uh, like you said too, that no soccer news, um, or rarely any soccer news on uh, CNN when they have their Bleach Report, is in this conference I attended this week. In one of the sessions that they had, it was the chief marketing officer for Bleach Report. And he was up there talking, and, and the host mentioned uh, the Champions League. And uh, one of the executives at Turner Sports said that, yeah, this week the um, the numbers on Tuesday were some of the highest numbers they've gotten on the BR Live, which is because of the PSG Dortmund game not being on English language yeah. television. Well, so the, the host mentioned, yeah, sure better than Spurs. And, and they, they laughed a little bit. And the chief marketing officer said, yeah, Harry Kane. And it, it was like, I was thinking like, what? Like Harry Kane's been injured since January. He's not going to be playing again until probably March or later. Uh, yes, Harry Kane does play for Tottenham Hotspur, but Harry Kane has no relevance to uh, Spurs against uh, RB Leipzig. And uh, it's it, 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 it sounds like a guy that knows maybe basketball really well or some of the other sports really well, but has no clue about soccer. And if you mention the word Tottenham Hotspur, the first thing that comes to his mind is Harry Kane. And here's this person that's the chief marketing officer that's I mean, responsible for a lot of Bleacher Report's I mean, overall strategy and marketing, and he doesn't really follow soccer. That might explain one of the reasons why that soccer doesn't get as much coverage on Bleacher Report on television. Now, BR football is a whole other thing. And actually, BR football is based out of London. It's not based out of anywhere in the United States. I think they have a few people in the U.S., but it's it's primarily a London office. We want you to have your say. So we've covered a lot of topics in the show uh, across a whole bunch of different leagues, different languages, different broadcasters, different streaming platforms. And um, we always love to get your feedback and questions and observations. Um, you guys are the ones that are really the ones driving the show and, and giving us some great topics to talk about. So we greatly appreciate it, and thank you so much. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And Kartik, before we uh, sign off on this one, um, in terms of the next week of football, uh, the one match that stands out is you must see. For me, for me, I think about this one, and I look through the schedules for this weekend, and we have most of the schedules at, at worldsoccertalk.com. The one match that stood out for me is really, it's kind of you know, predictable, but it's, it's Chelsea against Spurs on yeah, Saturday morning. It's uh, two teams that have been going through some tough times. I mean, Spurs especially so. And uh, Jose getting a lot of criticism for using his excuses in terms of injuries. Uh, and they are a factor, but this match is going to be a, a big clash between these two sides. Yeah, I'll tell you a couple things. I, I thought about this, and it was this this match also. Uh, one, I think uh, Jose's gotten a lot of criticism. Spurs look dreadful against RB Leipzig. You know, uh, Timo Werner is in such a bad moment in terms of his finishing. He does so much else right. Uh, it's it's uh, left a tie open. I mean, Leipzig could have killed it off, right? <laughs> scored. Uh, as Jonathan Liu said on the Guardian podcast, he could have scored three goals in the first three minutes uh, of that match at White Hart Lane the other day. I, I mean, in, in, instead, they uh, they only won 1-0, and, and they had uh, countless opportunities to uh, uh, to beat them 3-4-0, but Spurs look dreadful. Uh, we know they don't have um, Harry Kane and now Son, but the core of that rest of that team is still very good. 
And what we've seen happen with Spurs is their identity, their DNA under Pochettino of how they play has been ripped out of them. What you saw from Leipzig is in a DNA in Leipzig uh, injected by Rajanik enhanced by Nagelsmann, maybe the best young manager in all the world of football, um, allowed uh, 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 Leipzig, who, by the way, had as many injuries, key injuries as as Spurs, something that a lot of Premier League fans don't acknowledge or don't know. Um, And Mourinho, in his uh, post-match comment, made sure he didn't mention that and made the excuses. Um, You know, because they have a DNA, they're able to plug and play and put guys, including your your, um, great Welsh hope, at center back mm-hmm. into the team and, and, and have no drop off. So I want to see now what happens against Chelsea. They lost the game, the match against Chelsea at home when they had a chance to catch them in the table. Remember that? Right. Um, Frank Lampard uh, is a, in a way a Mourinho disciple, but he's got other, other tricks in his bag. There's probably no uh, Abraham. Batshuayi has been terrible. So does that mean Olivier Giroud, who to Jose Mourinho's credit, he tried to go out and get, and uh, Chelsea wouldn't do business with Spurs. They will do business with Arsenal, but they won't do business with Spurs. Think about that for a minute um, as to which is the bigger rival of theirs. They um, what, Wouldn't it be great if Giroud scored the winning goal in this match? And I just think <laughs> that that's written in the stars. That's what's going to happen. By the way, Antonio Conte also wanted Giroud. Uh, didn't get him. They did give him Victor Moses, who's contributed to Inter since moving there. But um, wouldn't it be? I think Giroud's going to get the winner. Yeah, and Giroud scored that goal for Chelsea against Man United. Uh, was it last weekend? Uh, but was it was disallowed, disallowed yeah. for a, a marginal. It was it was offside, but it was by like half. Well, half it was a, it was foot. the only call that might have been correct of the VAR <laughs> yeah. decisions in that game. But in the past, I, in the past, before before VAR, it would have it would have been a goal. Uh, but but. but uh, of the week just because of all the VAR. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, let's not go there. <laughs> we can spend an hour on that. Um, but yeah, that that one. Def- I mean, of course, there's other matches from around uh, around the globe that are happening this weekend. But that one in particular is, I, I to me, I, I do not rate Jose Mourinho at all. Uh, for the last probably like five years, it's just all based on ego and press conferences. And I don't think um, he, he was at, at one time a great coach, but I don't think he's a great coach anymore. And I think Let's, this is what we, we're seeing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. But can we finish the show with this, Chris? Yeah. Um, Craig Burley has time and again now on ESPN FC the last month talked about the fact that Spurs um, are not going to win that much. Right. Mm-hmm. And if they, is it worth sacrificing to Spurs fans? And he keeps asking this question. Is it worth sacrificing your identity, your DNA, your uh, level of entertainment and engagement as a supporter, which uh, Burley correctly argues, in my opinion, Pochettino was giving you for winning a Carabao Cup sometime in the next three years? which is what Mourinho will give you and dire football. That's not entertaining. You're in a new stadium and you're not getting the, uh, the, the, the type of football Pochettino was delivering as you're paying higher ticket well, prices. So Burley has posed that question. I'd love yeah. to hear the Spurs fans who listen to our podcast. Tell us what they think. Well, th- well, that's the thing though, too. I think, uh, I wonder if Daniel Levy was thinking when they signed Jose thinking, okay, all right, he's going to bring back some more attacking, exciting football to White Hart Lane and probably thinking that it'd be more exciting exciting, more attractive to the eye than what uh, Pochettino was doing. And and the, and the reality, we, you know, I know, a lot of the listeners know, is Jose, for the last five years, it's been very dour, dire, boring, park the bus, very, just very slow, slow football. 
Mm-hmm. Chris, it when? started the second half of the season with Chelsea, which they won the league in. So uh, Manchester City and them were level on points and level on goals and goal difference. Remember what, that? What year was uh, that? On New Year's Day? What year? And in order to see out that season, Mourinho went to a very defensive, negative style of football. Even the match where they clinched the title against Crystal Palace. I remember Pardew's Palace looked like they were swashbuckling, rampaging because Chelsea didn't want the ball at all. Um because it worked that season and they got through and, and, and they ended up winning the title, I think, by seven or eight points over City, um, Mourinho has just continued that style. Uh, he had the reputation of being a negative manager in the past because he had to park the bus quote, but there were genuine progressive elements of Mourinho's uh, football, mm-hmm. uh, especially when he was at Inter. Uh, the, 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 that 2009-10 season, Inter played some of the most brilliant football you'll ever see. Um, but I think it's because he won the title with Chelsea after playing a little more open the first half of the season and being level with with a City team, which, by the way, that was the year Frank Lampard moved from Chelsea to Manchester City, ironically enough, as we're talking about this match. Uh, he hasn't gotten it back. It's now been five years since Yeah, that's been like 2015. And it's just yeah. the same dour stuff. Yeah, and uh, which makes this match... Uh, very appealing to watch in terms of uh, if Chelsea can put the knife in and, and really, I mean, skewer Jose or if Jose is able to pull something out of the bag. And uh, I, I think at the end of the day, with Jose, so much of it depends on the players. And I mean, Deli Ali, uh, even whether he's on form or not, or in a good mood or not. Um, I, I don't think it's so much the coaching on the Jose side. The Frank Lampard side, I do definitely give a lot more uh, credence to. But but again, they've been going through some tough times too. Should be some compelling viewing. And Kartik, so heading into another week of uh, football from around the world, what should they do? Enjoy your football. <laughs>